You know what I mean? Real quickly, real quickly. And uh, I'm just so grateful to all you guys for being here. And uh, it's definitely glad making a lineup like this possible. You know, and, and for all of us coming together. And, and I'm so grateful. And uh, we Russell to wrap it up with step 12. Come on up, brother. Hi, my name is Russell. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, I'm a member of the South Dixie Group, and I haven't found necessary to have a drink since January 25th, 1981. And what a privilege to be here. You know, this is, you guys are troopers. I think you started off here at 9 o'clock. I got here around 10, and, uh, and now it's like close to 5. And uh, you guys have been hanging out here, and we've had such great speakers. First of all, I want to thank Robert, uh, and I want to thank Danny and his lovely wife, Sue. I know Sue had to leave, and for putting this together. It's just wonderful. And I'll tell you, what a great time, you know, listening to some of the great speakers you've had. And it's really helped me a lot, you know, and uh, Jim and Tom and Mike. And they were great. You know, one of the, the problems, I'm not saying it's a problem, but I'm kind of loose in the brain anyway. I don't know what I'm going to say, when I'm going to say it. I just let it hang out. So what happens is, you know, Mike is, is talking and he says something. He says, oh, I got to talk about that. And then and then Tom starts talking. He says, "Oh man, I got to talk about that." And then Jim's talking. He says, "Oh, I got to talk about that." And uh, by the time he's in, now it's like a milkshake up there, you know. So it's uh, I have no idea what's gonna, you know. And and you know Tom, he baited me. I, I know he knows. I know he did it on purpose, but uh, it's okay. It's gonna happen anyway. I'm gonna let it hang. You know he knows I I love the Bible, and he knows I feel very strongly that. Uh, Factually, it was a basic part of it. Well, look, let me, let me put you this way. Um, uh, I, I, I do have something I want to talk about as far as the 12-step, which may be, you know, I always try to, what I really try to do is say something that I think nobody's heard before. Uh, come from an, an, an angle where you say, wow, never thought about that before, because the longer I'm sober, the more things are revealed to me, so I don't think about the 12-step like I thought about it when I had 25 years or 10 years or even like a week ago. So, so uh, something has come upon me, <laughs> as, as it does at 3 o'clock in the morning when I'm reading or something like that, where I see something in the big book that I, I've probably read 10,000 times, but all of a sudden I, it's like I never saw it before. And that will tend to happen to you. You'll, you'll read the big book all over the place, and then all of a sudden you'll be 15 years sober and going through something, and you'll open the book and you'll say, man, where did that come from? That's exactly what's going on. That's my deal, you know? And so there is something I want to talk about, but... Um, as you all know, the book says, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. And that was written in 1939, but A started in 1935. So, so what happened is, uh, is in 1939, they, they, they said, if you do what we, what we did, you'll get what we got. And they were rocking in the fourth dimension of existence. They were experiencing much of heaven. And they wrote this book to try to explain what happened to them. But we have a conference-approved book called Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers, which tells exactly, specifically what they were doing. So when I was about 15 years sober, I started reading that book. And in that book, it says things like this, and this is a direct quote. You don't like it, you know, don't, don't pound me, Cal New York. It says, we found that the books that were absolutely essential, absolutely essential, were 1 Corinthians 13, Sermon on the Mount, and the book of James, many of which Tom and uh, the other speakers uh, you sort of quoted from. And the first Corinthians 13. And, and, and when I started studying the Bible, when I, when I started 
really work in the 11th step, actively work in the 11th step, because I needed more, because I had 15 years. I needed more. I wanted more. I wanted more. I needed more. It wasn't enough. Sometimes you need more. I've had guys, I remember when I first, when I had about 10 years and I was in AA, there would be guys that would come over from NA, and they would ask me to sponsor them. They'd go to my meetings, and they would say to me, now, don't tell anybody I'm here, because, because... <laughs> Us NAs aren't supposed to be over at the, I don't know whether it's still like this, but there was this big jealousy or this thing where the NAs weren't supposed to go to AA and you weren't supposed to say you're clean if you're sober, whatever the heck it was. It's all out of fear and craziness or whatever that deal is because we are all crazy. But, but the bottom line is, is that the reason these guys would come is they would have like 15 years sobriety in NA, which at that time was a long time. And they wanted more, but they couldn't find anybody. So they would come over to AA and find somebody with 17 years or 20 years or stuff like that. And because they, they would go wherever they had to go to get what they got. And then when they get what they got, they'd go back, you know, and everything like that. But they didn't want anybody to know that they were sneaking. And so I started going to Bible study and hanging. That's where I met my, I had my first sponsor, my second, and my third sponsor after the first two died, wonderful men. I was at Bible study when I was about 15 years sober. And I ran into my sponsor who now is 62 years sober. And he's a, I told you a little bit about him, John. He's a Baptist minister and uh and so i hang out with him and his friends and and stuff like that so i got very much involved in that so when i got involved in that in other words reading the source material i mean you're entitled to your own opinion not entitled to your own facts when i started reading the source material in other words the material that the founders were reading and studying they say they say the, the books that we found absolutely essential not just essential absolutely essential were first corinthians 13 Sermon on the mount and um and uh, James, the book of James, our, we were, our fellowship was almost named after the book of James. Uh, after I started reading the material they were, re they were doing, and I started reading the big book in conjunction with that material, the words popped out of the pages because I understood where the words were coming from in the context. I understood when they wrote this thing what they were talking about. So when they, in the 12th step, when they say we have to be the good Samaritan every day, a kindly act once in a while isn't enough. And then it goes through all the things we got to do in order to be the Good Samaritan. I understood what they were talking about because I had been studying in the book of Luke, the Good Samaritan. I had been studying the, 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 the whole point and the whole deal in the Good Samaritan. So it, it made even more sense. It's sort of like, it was sort of like one day you're watching TV and it's black and white. And the next day it's like flipping technicolor. You know what I mean? So it gave me a new understanding. Now, I'm not telling you you should read 1 Corinthians 13. I'm not saying you should read the book of James. Faith without works is dead, even though that's in our big book, to understand what that means. That's what they're reading. I'm not saying you should read uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not saying you should do that. You're free to be closed-minded and say you're not going to. No, no, you're free. You're free. You're free to hold on to your prejudice, even against organized religion. You're free not to see where the religious people are right. You're free not to read the books that the you know because I, I, they may not be conference approved. I don't think they they're conference disapproved. You know, you know, you're free not to do that. But you really got to watch out talking about how you're really doing the second step, which has to do with tolerance and open-minded. Don't you think it's very hard to talk about the second step when you won't even look at that stuff? You know what I mean? Because you're so closed-minded. And you have, what, what do they call it, contempt, pride, and investigation? I think they mentioned stuff like that. So, you know, in any event, uh, forget everything I just said. I'm probably wrong. But in any event, if you can, whatever. So here's the deal. After 35 years of doing this thing, road testing this thing, I'm starting to connect the dots. I'm seeing some pattern here. I'm seeing a pattern. And what I'm going to do is I'm, gonna, I'm just going to talk about a few things. You know, somebody said, I don't know if it was Mikey, or somebody said, 
I want you to do the miners' story, you know, the story of the miners. And uh, I don't know whether I'll have time to do it. If I do, I will. But, you know, one of the problems is because of the tapes and everything like that, I have people come up to me and say, hey, do the miners' story. Do the, do the Camaro story, you know. I mean, do the, they, they tell me to do, I'll do the story. Do the Al Kennedy story, you know what I mean? And they have these stories they want me to, to do. And I love all the stories, and the stories are good. But the problem is if I start on the stories, they'll be like, you'll have like uh, – I'll, you'll have like three stories, and then the thing will be over. You know what I mean? And, I, and so I, so I, but I, I'm just going to sort of go with it, and we'll see where we go and what the story is. And, and so I have started to connect some dots here. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to I'm just going to go where this goes and say a few things and talk about some stuff. And I'm going to ultimately come to a a paragraph in the book. I'll tell you where the paragraph's going to be because where I want to end up on is uh, let me find it is uh, a little quoted paragraph which I pro- in Bill's story. I want to start in the very beginning in a little quoted paragraph on Bill's story on page 14 of the fourth edition. I want, that's where I'm going to end up, okay? There's a sign that uh, hangs in most AA rooms. It's called First Thing. The sign says First Things First. It was, it was something that was penned by Bob Smith, Dr. Dr. Smith. You know, Dr. Smith was like the, you know, Bill was religious. They were all religious. They all belonged to religious organizations. In the big book, it says we, we encourage church membership. You know, most of us are part. He says most of us, most of us do that, and we encourage that. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, if you think about it, if you're an alcoholic and you want to stay sober and you want what they have, you'd probably do what they do. But, you know, but we're also alcoholics, so we're defiant. That's our chief characteristic. So we're perfectly free to say, well, screw that. I'm not going to do that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that, you know, you can decide whether that's healthy or unhealthy or how that is in front, as far as AA terms, you know. Ultimately, I decide to go with the flow. If most of them do it, I decide to do it. But that's neither here nor there. The, the bottom line is he, he did this thing called First Things First. And, you know, they were reading the Bible at the time, doing all that stuff. And First Things First... Whether you know it or not, now I'm not telling you this is in my opinion. This is out of Dr. Bob and the good. All this is out of our material, our, our approved material. Everything I'm giving you is feeding you from our approved material, okay? Uh, so the bottom line, what, what he did was he took the line, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. And he boiled that down to first things first. And then, it, but, but what happens is in the big book, call it like a Bible commentary in the sense. I mean, here's the dirty little secret about the big book. Everything in the big book is in the Bible. And it's just a commentary on the Bible. And that's the dirty little secret. We can stop reading it if you want, if that pisses you off. But unfortunately, it's true. Now, if you haven't read the Bible, if you're not familiar with the Bible, you'll think what I'm saying is bullshit. But that's only, that's only because you're ignorant. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. It's just because you're ignorant. You know, and you have to, but, but if you read it, you'll say, holy shit, I can't believe this crap. And it's just like I said to my sponsor, I said, I know what this is. You're like brainwashing me. And he said, maybe your brain needs washing. And it did, you know. So, so in the big book, they say it, they, sometimes they, they use direct quotes from the Bible. Direct quotes. Yeah, but you wouldn't know it's a direct quote because, you know, you don't read the Bible, you don't study it. And sometimes, and you know, AA, you know how AAers are, you know, they, they hate religious people. They hate because... Because when you feel like a piece of crap and when you're nothing, you feel like a piece of shit, you think of religious people as people who sort of sit there thinking, well, I'm better than Tom. You think they're like looking down on us, and that's only because you don't know religious people. Well, some religious people probably do. They would be called hypocrites. But most of the people that I hang out with, you know, love other people. You know, they would love you. 
they would love you because they're sinners too and they have all sorts of problems. They would love what you're doing, you know what I mean? But, but the bottom line is, is, is um, so they, they got this, um, so we got this, this book here and it says all sorts of interesting things. And uh, one of the things, the way, it, for instance, they may not say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added unto you. But the very, one of the very last lines of the big book, say, it says this. It says, see to it that your relationship with him is right, with a capital H. I mean, who do you think they're talking about? I think that, see to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. This is the great fact for us. So unless you want to, you want to like, um, unless you want to, unless you want to do the alcoholic rationalization or make believe they're not saying it, they're basically saying the same thing: seek ye first the kingdom of God and His right. And they say that same thing about two thousand times in the book in different ways. They say God either is or isn't what's going to be. It's going to be. It says no. He says you can't manage your own your, your deal. No human power, but God couldn't would if it was sought. It says when you sincerely take such a position. All sorts of remarkable things happen. Being all-powerful, he will give you everything you need. Every, can you imagine I give you everything you need? Because he's all-powerful. If you stay close to him, this is the only thing you have to do, stay close to him, which means you've got to stay close to him, and perform his work well. So if you want everything you need, everything you need, and that includes experiencing much of heaven, being rocking in the fourth dimension of existence, not drinking, not going crazy, not feeling sorry for yourself, everything you need, all you've got to do is stay close for him, and performers work well. But, of course, A is like a, a giant, uh, it's, a, it's a giant fellow, a funnel. You know, you know, anybody can come in here. You can say anything and say, God's bullshit. It's all, you can say all that. You decide. It's your life. It's not, it's not a, you know, the saying to dress rehearsal. You can go through your whole life and you can decide. You know, don't worry about Bob, Dr. Bob. You know, he's hard when he said, if you're an atheist, agnostic, or have some other sort of intellectual pride that keeps you from this, what we're saying here, I feel sorry for you. Your heavenly father will never let you die. Don't worry about that crap. You know what I mean? That's just Dr. Bob. What does he know? You know what I mean? You're free in here. We have a giant funnel. We have a giant funnel in here. But in the end, there are leaders, there are men, and there are boys. There are, I know there are leaders. I'll ask people in AA. I'll go to me and I ask, are there any leaders in AA? They'll say, no, there's no leaders. I say, well, what about the position that says our leaders are servants? It says we have leaders. You can always tell them because they serve. The leaders are the ones that are serving. You know, the followers are the ones who are being served. One day I asked Johnny Harris. I brought him down for a, a banquet. I was uh, been a group banquet chairman for two years. and I was about three or four years sober. And he was incredible. He was like one of these guys, a circuit speaker. He had an incredible talk. If you ever get a hold of the Miami Day talk that Johnny Harris did, one of the best talks I ever heard in my life. And I'll be happy to send it to you if you send me an email. And uh, I was so moved by him. It's like one of these people, you meet people, you know, I, you know Bob Earl calls them Eskimos. You meet people in these lives. I was so moved by him. I asked him, I, I, went, I said, you know, can I get in touch with you? Can I call you? Knowing that his uh, phone was obviously unlisted. You know, because a guy like that, he speaks all over the way, and he was just—he was just like bigger than life. He was like an ace. He was—he was a leader. He was a servant. He was a guy who was helping. I said, "Can I call you?" And he said, "Sure." And he said, uh, "What's your number?" And he said, uh, "It's in the book." And I said, uh, "It's in the book. It's not unlisted." And then he did to me what what. What my sponsor and old-timers have been doing to me all my life, he gave me a shot. I don't know what it is. It's like I have a sign on my head, 
kick me, you know? He, it's, it's like they always, whenever they lay the truth on me, you know, they always feel they got to they they hammer me first. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something about me. He goes, he, this is exactly what he said. He said, Russell, he said, I don't know what fellowship you're in, but I'm in Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm available. You know, that was said to me over 30 years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. When my sponsor said, when anybody ever asks you to do something in AA, you always say yes. He didn't say yes unless you have a good excuse because he knew I didn't know what a good excuse was. Because to me, being scared is a good excuse, you know. When you do the mean, oh, I'm not ready, which is, you know, alcohol code for I'm scared crapless, you know. You know, so the, the bottom line is, is that it was implanted to me without even me knowing this, that this was about a heart of service. This is about service. This is about being grateful. They asked Bill Wilson, what do you think of people that don't drink and go to, don't go to meetings? He says, I have no use for them because they have no gratitude. In, in, in the story on Bob, uh, on, you know, uh, uh, Bill Dotson, the man on the bed, Bill Dotson is saying what I used to say, what a lot of people say. When I used to follow people around, he said, I knew there was something more, something I hadn't got. You know, he had about whatever it is, 18 months, 19 months, whatever it is, and he was sober, but he was sober. You know what I mean? I mean, you know what happens when you're sober you know what happens when you're not using the drugs and you're living life, you know, and you got three months, six months, and nine months, you're sober, but you're crazy. You know what I mean? You, you, you know, you'll, one day you'll actually say to yourself, now I know why I drank. This is crappy. You know what I mean? Ain't no fear like sober fear. You know what I mean? I drank for the effect, you know, because I wanted, you know, because I wanted to get away. Get, I, I drank because sobriety was horrible. Sometimes it was great, but most of the time it was, like, it was like horrible, 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 a little bit of great, and then horrible again. You know what I mean? Horrible is, uh, sobriety is difficult. It's scary. It's, it's worrisome. It's problematic. It's, it, it, it's like you don't even have your skin on you. You know what I mean? I heard one guy say, and I love it, it's like when I was going down to shoot, coming down from heaven, and God was spraying the, ins the insulation on me to protect me from all the horseshit that's going on in the planet Earth. I was going down to shoot, and God was about to spray me, and somebody said, oh, God, and he looked up, and I went by, and that's it. <laughs> Screwed from the beginning. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just life is flipping tough. I've never seen anybody who feels injustice the way I feel injustice. You know, who, who feels inside the crap I feel inside for the people around me. I mean, life, I mean, I just can't make it from getting out of bed in the morning to go to sleep at night without having 17,000 things bother me because it's all bullshit. You know what I mean? It's just a difficult deal. So, you know, that's why I drank. That's why I drug. That's why I look for some woman. That's why I look for a car. That's, that's why I do 90% of this stuff because sitting here, right here, right now, without something more in my life is just driving me crazy. Because I'm lonely and I'm desperate and I don't even know what the story is or what's going on. And I was like that. I, and that's alcoholism. It centers in your mind, not your body. It has to do with your talking to yourself with the 15,000 thoughts that are telling you you're a piece of shit but you're wonderful. Or when are things going to be okay? I'm a self pityaholic And that's alcoholism. And I had it before I started drinking. I had it during the drinking. And I've had it after the drinking. I'll probably have it until the day I die. And that's the disease I deal with, and that's the disease people in AA deal with. That's the, the disease we have. And so, and, and so I, God, I went to a meeting once with uh, the Al Kennedy thing, and my sponsor brings me to a meeting, and I'm three months sober, and guy comes up and he does a meeting. He's got about 35 years. He was, like, incredible. He was incredible. I was lifted up, and 
And uh, he was just an incredible ace speaker, and he was loving on people and helping people. And he walked out, and I said to my sponsor, I said, that guy was unbelievable. I've never seen him before. I said, he's unbelievable. I'd love to see him again. And my sponsor looked at me, and he says, you know, like, who is it that said sponsors are stupid? You know, they say stupid things. Like, my sponsor, you know, he looks at me, he says, yeah, well, he's dying. I said, no, I, the, no, the guy who did the meeting I'm talking about. And he says, yeah, he's dying. I said, what do you mean he's dying? He didn't say anything about dying. He said, Russ, he's dying. He's got terminal cancer. He's got six months to live. I swear to God, the guy didn't mention it, didn't say anything, didn't look like he was dying. He was just trying to help other people. Six months later, Al Kennedy was dead. Do you know what it's like to, you know, I'm a, I'm a thumb-sucking crybaby. I'm an alcoholic. You know, anything that goes wrong in my life, or real or imagined, imaginary shit, I'm going to meet and I'm complaining for 16 years and a monkey. It doesn't matter. I'm, like, going nuts over it. Do you know what it's like to go to a meeting and see a guy that does a meeting and love on people and try to help people? And then he walks out, and you find that he's dying. He doesn't say anything about it. Let me tell you something. That's a leader. That's a leader. That guy's a servant. That's something. I mean, I saw that stuff. It's one thing to hear it talked about. I saw the big book in action on people. I said, man, if I could just have 10% of that drug, whatever the hell he's doing, you know what I mean? Because I'm going nuts over here. I'm going crazy. Still, you may say, but I will not have the benefit of contact with you who write this book. We cannot be sure. God will determine that, so you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him. There it is again. Seek, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things. There it is again. You know, hey, listen, if you don't want to read the Bible, stay away from the big book. <laughs> stay away from it. Because everything in the Bible, they stole from the big book. They stole it all from the big book. It's true, you know. God will determine that, so you must remember that your real reliance is all. It says he will, he will give you everything you need if you stay close to him and perform his work. So apparently, according to the big book, every one of us in here, in order to get this thing, has to stay close to God and perform his work. And if you're trying to figure out what his work is, that's your problem. You better figure that out because there's work he has set before you. And I, I promise you, it has absolutely nothing to do with getting laid. I'm telling you, I know that's I know that's an old idea that you think if you can only get if you can only find romance, find the right girl, find the right guy, get married, get laid, and everything. I know you you think that that's the answer, but here's the problem, and you probably don't remember this, so let me remind you: you you were doing that long before you got here, and you flushed yourself down. It didn't work. I'm trying to I'm trying to remind you that it never worked. It never worked before. It doesn't work during. It ain't going to work after. That's not, his, that's not his preference. He talks about, they talk about in the book, they say, you say, they say your job is to be of maximum service to God and other people. Sort of gives you a hint. You know what I'm talking about? Maximum service to God and other people. It sort of gives you an idea. I mean, I, this basically draws you a picture of God. It's pretty, pretty clear that he wants you to be honest. He wants you to be unselfish. He wants you to be loving. He wants you to be self-sacrificing. He wants to sacrifice your life to him, your will to him. Forfeit. You had your life. You fucked it up. You understand what I'm saying? You did. You fucked it up. He gave you your life. He gave you all the free will you want. You fucked it up. You did it bad. It wasn't good. You know, it wasn't pretty, okay? Your life is his. It's forfeit to him right now. I know you're an alcoholic. You're defined. You're saying this can't be right. This guy's got to be crazy. Who invited him to this place? I don't give a crap. You know what I mean? The bottom line is 
<laughs> I got mine. I know what the deal is. I don't really care, you know? Most people don't stay sober anyway, and 80% uh, of ones that are sober are thumb-sucking crybabies. It don't, it don't matter, okay? Do it whatever you want. That's the deal. It's in the book. You may not like the book. The truth, you can't handle the truth. I understand that. But here's what it says. God will determine that, so your real reliance always has to be on him. Not on your wife, not on your husband, not because because if your deal is you're going to be okay as long as everything's okay, start drinking now because it's all going to go to shit. Either you or your wife is going to die before the, one or the other, or you and your girlfriend are going to die before and you're going to be alone again. You can't rely on It says one of the problems Bill Wilson says, what the real problem we have is, have is un, unhealthy dependencies. If you're going to be okay as long as you have your job, don't worry, that job's going to go, you're going to get fired. If you want to be okay, as long as you make money, don't worry, the money's going to go. Everything you rely on to make you okay is gone, is going to go. And even if it doesn't go, you're going to be a thumbsucking crybaby because at 3 o'clock in the morning there's going to be shit happening that you're going to be worried about it and talking at A meetings. So you better invest your entire life on God and determine no matter what happens that you're going to be sober and you're going to feel good and do what he wants you to do regardless of the circumstances of your life. And the bottom line is, if you love God and focus on God regardless of the circumstances of your life, you're going to feel great about life regardless of the circumstances. Because the circumstances ain't going to mean much. The other question is, how do you do that when you've got the entire world and the entire planet Earth telling you that if, I, if you could only lose 100 pounds, you'd be okay, or if you had bigger breasts, you'd be okay, or spending $8,000 on that. When you got, when you got every movie, every movie star, every, everything that's out there is a giant bunch of mirrors telling you you're totally insufficient, and, you, and there's nothing good, and you got, if you got to get the money, you got to get... The whole world is telling you that this stuff is bullshit. You understand that? The world is killing you. It's telling you it's bullshit, and you're addicted to the world, and I'm addicted to the world, and we got to somehow understand this stuff and, and ingest this stuff and believe this stuff, even though the world is saying that if you believe in God, you're full of crap. If you believe in Jesus, you're full of crap. If you go to church, that, that, that you're un And the last thing an alcoholic wants to think is that he's uncool. You know what I mean? And uh, that's it. you got the whole world operating against you. You go to AA meetings like one hour a day if you're lucky, and then you spend 23 hours out there in the crap. Where they're all, where it's a giant rat race and the rats are winning. God will determine that, so you must remember that your real reliance is always upon Him. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. And there you go. Now there's another thing. Now it's all of a sudden it's telling you something else. Did you know that? That you crave, I mean, I craved alcohol. Now it's telling you crave fellowship. I'm not talking about the sexual fellowship. You all knew about the sexual fellowship, but the sexual fellowship was like a substitution. It's like, it's like uh, what's that crap they use, uh, that artificial crap they use? In, it's like, like saccharin. You know, sex is like, you know, for me it was like saccharin. It's, it's like it's sweet, so it tastes sweet, but it doesn't satisfy. It's got a half-life of about a half an hour, you know what I mean? It doesn't satisfy. I need more sex, and then I got sex with a monkey or something. I got different sex. Sure, you're laughing, Danny. <laughs> But you know what it's like. You know, I know about you. So, you know, you know the bottom line, yeah, it, it doesn't satisfy. If sex satisfied, then the bottom line is we'd all be going out there doing it because that would be the answer. You know, and we would have, you know, whatever is turn our life over to sex or something. It doesn't work. I've sponsored a guy that had sex with a thousand women. He was like, they're like batshit. You know what I mean? It don't work. The only fellowship they're talking about here the crate, is spiritual fellowship with God and other people. And the spiritual fellowship you get with God, that's why you can't, that's why you can't do this as a correspondence course. That's why they have the fifth step. That's why people are all over this thing and going out and helping people. 
Like they say in the Bible, he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one because when he gets the one, the one, the sin, the guy who's down the drain, he brings it back to the 99. It's a double celebration in heaven. It's all from the, the, from the original book, from the main book. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's Sermon on the Mount. They thirst after righteousness. They thirst after God. They hunger after God because they'll be filled. They'll be filled in here. You'll be filled in here. And what is the problem? Because you've got people with 5, 10, 15, 20 years sober that have, quote, worked the steps. But they have no relationship with God. And you can tell they have no relationship with God because God has absolutely nothing to do with their lives. Nothing to do with their lives. He's not the central fact. You read in the book, in the first part, it says the great fact is that the great, it says 15 times the great fact, the tremendous fact. And you know what the tremendous fact and the great fact always is? It's always about your relationship with God and helping other people. And you got people here who got 20 years because I sponsor them. And, they're, they're, and they feel sorry for themselves and their lives are crappy and everything's okay because all they want to talk to me about is their job and their wife and their life and all this sort of stuff, you know, that a guy with two weeks would talk about. Because God is not the central fact of their lives because they don't focus on God, even though that's clearly what they say in the big book. It says, it says you, you've got to expand. It doesn't matter. You know something? If you, if, if you believe in God and you've got five years, it, you need more. That's what the eleventh step is all about. That's why it comes. To, if you if you got ten years and you believe in God, you need more. You got twenty years, you believe in God. You go to church, you need more. Thirty five years, I believe in God. I need more, more, more. That's this is all about more God, more God. See, I'm not an extra credit credit guy. I'm a coaster. You know, I want to coast. I'll, I'll get to this thing. I go to church. I believe in God. That should be enough. Now I'll coast. Give me the toys. It don't work. I'm sorry, I don't make the rules. If I made the rules, trust me, it would be different. We'd all be out in the yacht, the Playboy bunnies would be there, everybody would be fine, you know what I mean? We'd say, but it doesn't work that way. We have to expand the alcohol. Listen, we're on the 12th step now, right? Okay, listen, here's the problem. You've got to, de- you've got to, you've got to decide whether you're going to do what's in the book or whether you're going to do what you want to do. See, it's really a third step. That's, remember I said the third step has to do with all these things? It really is a third step thing. You know, you cannot, one of the things it says in the Bible, and it's clear in this book it talks about it too, is you can't, you can't love God and mammon. You can't love God and money. You can't love God and the world. This book is all about God. It's not about your pocketbook. That's why when I said to my sponsor, I needed money, he said, I think it's about time you make coffee. I had a decision at that time. I didn't realize it was a third step decision. I could have said, I, I could have said what many people say to me, I need another sponsor. My sponsor's crazy. He doesn't listen to me. Or I could have made coffee. I made coffee. I don't even I, I, To me, that's a God thing. To me, that's a God thing. I am such a selfish, self-centered son of a bitch. I'm so focused on money, on sex, on stuff like that. Why I made the frickin' coffee and then walk out of the room and get another sponsor, I don't know, but I made the coffee. And everything's worked since I made that coffee. Ever since, ever since I turned away from the world and made the coffee, and, made, made, and these decisions, you know, what it's, you know what it says, selfishness, self-centeredness, driven by a hundred forms of, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-decision. What we find is we've made decisions in the past based upon self, based upon what we wanted to do. Not what God wants us to do, but what we wanted to do, which put us in a position to be hurt. So every day you're called upon to make all sorts of decisions. Should I go to the meeting? Should I not go to the meeting? Do I make an excuse? Do I not make an excuse? Do I watch the baseball game or go to the meeting? Do I, every decision you make is a third-step decision. 
Every decision you make is it's either what you want to do or what you believe God wants you to do. Now, if God is the central fact of your life and you're hanging around people that talk about God as central, and one of the things, unless until an alcoholic accepts his alcoholism and all its consequences, his sobriety will be precarious and true happiness will find none at all. That's right out of 12 and 12. And one of the consequences of being an alcoholic is you are incredibly swayed by the people you hang out with. You may think you're a leader. Bullshit, you're a follower. You know what I mean? You hang around people that are talking about money, gals, and everything like that. That's where your mind is. You talk about hang around people talking about God. That's where your mind is. You are leaving the conversation with whatever the last conversation you had with the last person thinking about that deal. If he's talking about his new car, you're driving away thinking, why don't I have a new car? If he's talking about his girlfriend or he got laid that way in your company, he says, why am I alone? You know what I mean? If you're talking about somebody who's saying, you know, I just read some of the Bible and you're talking about the Bible, the big book or God, you're walking away thinking about God. It's as simple as that. You are who you hang out with, period, end of story. And you hang out with who you want to hang out with. That's where it tells where your heart is. Not what comes out of your mouth, where your heart is, where you hang out. You guys are in here. I know where this tells me a little bit about you guys. There's a lot of people not here. It tells me a lot of people who aren't here. They're out there, you know, doing whatever they're doing. So the bottom line, and the book is very clear about this, but like everything else in the book, you see it with whatever eyes you see it with. I've started to put the, the dots together. It's starting to make sense to me after 35 years, you know, it's just slightly, you know. I've got to constantly expand my, my relationship with God. Got to do it or else I die. I cannot stay sober 35 years based upon 15 years sobriety. I can't stay sober 35 years based upon a 15-year relationship with God. I can't stay sober. You know, I can do it for a while. I can toast, toast for a while, and then after, I've seen it happen. You can actually, you know, it talks about in the seventh step, it says, you know, the value of suffering. Because alcoholics are suffer, suffer, and they're forced back to God, or they're forced back to the drink. The new perspective by a thousand forms of humiliation. We're forced back to God, or we're forced back to drink. They, they talk about it in the, the seventh step. They talk about they talk about having a, an actual idea and conception, and and the belief in God, but God having nothing to do, not not being on the throne of His heart, not re really having anything to do with your life. In other words, your actions and what you do and what you read and what you see and where you go have absolutely, you live, you believe in God and you say you believe in God. And maybe you even say the Lord's Prayer, but you live like an atheist. It's as simple as that. You just do whatever you want to do. And you hurt whoever you want to hurt and you be whatever you want to be, you know, and that's the deal. So the real question is, how do you, what's the secret ingredient? Remember I talked about the secret ingredient? Remember I told you about my sponsor? He, he, we, go out to, we go out to lunch, you know. I mean, he's a Baptist minister, you know, for God's sakes, you know. We go out to lunch, and I'm with 10, 15 guys, whatever it is. I, go, I eat lunch with them just about every day. We have a whole group of guys that eat lunch, and we'll be in different restaurants. There'll be crowded people all over. We'll be sitting at a table, maybe five or six of us, and say, so, okay, who's going to pray? And we start praying. Before We start praying, you know. We have no problem. We start praying before. And when I first started doing that, I, I told you what he said to me. He said, Russ, he says, we got to pray. He said, you know, we got to pray before we eat. We got to thank God before we eat. We got to show our gratitude. So we would thank God. And then my sponsor would say, now the food will taste better. It has the secret ingredient. Now that's the way the steps work. They don't work that well without the secret ingredient. I'm just, listen. This is an inside job. It has to do with God changing you into a different person. It has to do with ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which are the are the are that are which are the which are driving your life. 
Ideas of emotion that, that are shifted over to one side and you become dominated by a whole different set of ideas, emotions, attitude. Dr. Young said it's not a medical thing. It's not a psychological thing. Even though you think that you know everything now and you know the inner works of your mind, your intellect can't do it. You can't live yet. It's a God thing. If it's a God thing that changes you, if the step says God is doing for us what we can't do for ourselves... If, if it says in the beginning, it says the central fact of our life, he is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. If it says that you can't manage your way, you can't think your way, no person will give it to you, God couldn't would if he were sought. If it says all that, how can you evoke this change, natural, this change that sort of comes over, this supernatural change, if God's not a part of your life? If you're just trying to think your way out of this deal. Try to do it by the numbers, like paint by the numbers, you know? I mean, I mean, I, I, there is a space for fake it like, till you make it, but here's the deal with fake it till you make it. Eventually, you got to stop faking it. <laughs> I mean, eventually, you got to start faking it. You got to start doing the deal. And when you do the deal, there are certain rules to the deal. I don't make them, God makes them. You say, how do you know God makes them? Because the book describes all about God. It tells you all about God. I mean, this is our basic text, right? The one we all agree on? I'm not taking this from my... This is our basic text. That which they, they were studying the Bible. But forget about the Bible. This, is our basic, this tells you exactly how you do it. Exactly how you do it. But of course, if you're an alcoholic, just because they put it in print, you're not going to necessarily believe it. You'll skip over it. It tells you exactly how you do it. You know how you do it? You know how you do it? You become a servant. That you become a servant. Every person in A that I've met, that eventually, and I, and I haven't met everybody, I, I could be you know, wrong about this, that seems to have their shit together, seems to have emotional sobriety, and I include all my sponsors, were, were unbelievable servants. They were, they, were, they were sold out. They were, they, were, they were speaking to me. They were sponsoring people. They were, the, you can always tell the servants. They are actually involved in self-sacrifice. Hey, listen, when was the last meeting you went to where the topic was self-sacrifice? I think Tom mentioned that. Who, who mentioned it? Well, maybe it was Jim. It could have been both of them. When was the last meeting you heard? You know, they have all sorts of things like gratitude, resentment, relationships. By the way, whenever they talk about relationships in AA, they're talking about getting laid. You know what I mean? That's all they're talking about. They're never talking. You know that, Mike. Nobody, when you have a meeting on relationship, don't even, don't even think to yourself they're talking about God. You know what I mean? They're talking about when am I going to get married? When am I going to find a boyfriend and a girlfriend? Which is, which is, when you consider that in the sixth and seventh step, it says the one thing we got to stop thinking about is money, power, and romance. They actually throw romance right because we screwed all that up, and then they want to have meetings on it. You know what I mean? But, but listen, this ain't exactly well, people's anonymous. I get that. Okay? So, so the bottom line is, is, is that, but when was the last time you heard a meeting on self-sacrifice? Did you know that's the whole deal? Doesn't sound good, though. Doesn't sound like rocking in the fourth dimension of existence. Doesn't sound like experiencing much of heaven. You know, they followed the guy from the New York Times followed uh, Mother Teresa around while she was doing the poor stuff. You know, uh, you know, uh, 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 loving the poor in India. And the guy from the New York Times said, "I wouldn't do what you do for a million dollars." She said, "Neither would I." She did it out of love for God because she loved the Lord. Bill Wilson said said, the Lord has been so wonderful to me, curing me of this terrible disease, that I want to keep talking about it and telling other people. His whole life was devoted to what he thought God wanted him to do, help other alcoholics. Bill, uh, uh, Bob Smith felt the same way. 
You know what I mean? I mean, listen, I'm not making the rules. This is what the book says. You want to know what the book says? I mean, you, you may go to a million meetings. They may say, well, that's all a bunch of bullshit, but I know, I know how to read the English language. I'm a lawyer. I know how to read the English language. I'm not going to do the dishonest thing by making believe it doesn't say what it says on page 14. My friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. I, I love that stuff. You know how they say, like, you know, we find these books to be absolutely essential. You know, my way, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, book of James, which is the book they say, faith without works. Now, remember that because I want to get into the James thing, okay? Because we're about to get into it. Faith without works. You know, most people say, faith without works. What does that mean, faith without works? What does that mean, faith without works? Is dead. What does it mean to have dead faith? You may have faith, but your faith may be dead. You may have faith, but you may have dead faith. Good for nothing faith. Bullshit faith. Faith that's not working. Bill Wilson talks about the first 18 months of his life. He was plagued by waves, plagued by waves of self-pity, couldn't get a job. Many times he'd, he'd, he'd go down to the hospital in despair to talk to a new man there. To talk, he would get up and go down to the hospital in despair to talk to a new man there. He was amazingly lifted up on his feet. It's a design for living that works. What was he talking about? He was saying faith that works. But there's something about faith that works. You ever notice that? It doesn't work with him sitting on his ass in his living room thinking, where am I going to get the money? It doesn't work with him sitting on his ass in the living room saying, why, why don't I have a wife? Why don't I have somebody who loves me? It works with him getting off his ass and being a servant to other people, making the damn coffee. You know what I mean? You know how hard that is to You know, you're dealing with a selfish, self-centered alcoholic who is obsessed and focused on his own life and is so wrapped up in himself that he doesn't give a shit about anybody else because he's got real problems. You know how, it, how hard... Forget about the booze. He may agree with the booze. You know, you know how hard it is to someone the fact that he's going to be okay as long as he starts making coffee for the group? You know, try it sometime. See how it works, you know? My friend did emphasize the absolute necessity... There it goes again. Absolute necessity. Not necessity. Absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. Which, which by the way, I think that's in the, isn't that in the 12th step? Practice these principles in all our affairs? Okay. And one of the principles is being a servant. A main principle. Particularly, it was imperative. Imperative, which I think means um, imperative. <laughs> I just say that because alcoholics are, you know, we're not too bright, you know. We, just in, you know, Tom, just in case you didn't get that. You know what I mean? I was worried about you. It was imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. This isn't, some people think the, extra, the 12 step is like extra credit. Yeah. It's like the 12 step. Now, get this. this I, I try to make this simple, you know, for, you know, just in case. The 12 step is actually one of the steps in the 12 steps. It is. Mike, is this making any sense to you? Because I noticed that look, you know, it's sort of like you're of amazement. Uh, and then right out, it says, particularly it was imperative to work with others as he had worked for me. And this is what it says, right out of James. Faith without works was dead. In other words, don't expect to come to a meeting, hold hands. Now, I know we can talk about this. We'll just go in a meeting. It's like 12-step work. And sometimes it is early on. Or just doing this as 12-step or just making coffee. All that is true. But the bottom line is God has work for you. And you've got to stay close to him and perform his work right. And don't, don't give yourself the luxury of saying, 
I've decided the work I'm supposed to do is A, B, and C, not D, because that's like driving 60 miles out of Miami, you know what I mean, to go to some group, and they're not going to appreciate me, and it's going to cost money, and so I'll stay. Don't, 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 don't assume that it doesn't mean self-sacrifice. You know, if you're, I'm going to I'm just, this is my theory. My theory is if you ain't sacrificing, it ain't, it ain't the work he wants you to do. If you ain't involved in, if you're involved in doing shit that you like and it's easy for you and you're going to do it anyway and it ain't no big deal and somebody asks you to do something and it's put in front of you, but it would be a sacrifice, don't be, don't be uh, under the opinion that you don't have to do that because it's sacrificial and you can stay sober by not doing that. Don't be surprised if you're not doing that work that you're being asked to do is the reason why you drink six years later. Why do I say that? Because it says, faith without works is dead, he said. And how appallingly true for the alcoholic. We got alcoholics in here, right? So you need to pay attention because this, because this has to do with you. This, is, this has to do with you. Okay? For if an alcoholic, now listen to this line. I love this line. You know why I love this line? Because most people have never seen it before. It's like in Bill's story. But you read that later on. And you, you build, who reads Bill's story after you first read it? Who reads it like for a second time? You know what I mean? I mean, third time. Even if you read it, who, hear, who pays attention to this crap? You know what I mean? You got to go on to how it works and all that other stuff. This is Bill's story. This is what he says. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge, and enlarge, perfect, he's talking 11 step and 12 step. This is all 11 step and 12 step stuff now. If he failed to enlarge, which by the way, this is going to give you a real insight as to why Bill Wilson lived the life he lived and why Bob Smith lived the life he lived, and why Willie lived the life he lived, and why all our sponsors that we looked up to lived the life they lived, and all the trusted servants and the people that we look up to in A lived the life they lived, and it's going to be an insight between the men and the boys and the difference. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others... You know why you never hear that in an AA meeting? Because it's like, it's a, it's a hard sell. It's a downer. I mean, don't drink and go to meetings. It's like easy shit. You know what I mean? You know, you come here, you dump some shit, you go put a dollar in the basket, you drink some coffee. What's the big deal? It's like going to the cocktail lounge, you know, at 530, except you drink coffee instead of booze, you know? It's the same, but, but self-sacrifice. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I didn't come in here to sacrifice my life for others. That's not a, that's a bad... I think if we had a lot of meetings with self-sacrifice for others, we'd probably have better sobriety but less people. You know what I mean? Better sobriety, less people. You know, I may be wrong about that. I may be wrong about that. Okay. So, okay. For if an alcoholic – by the way, I just want you to know I'm reading this shit from the big book. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just telling you this because I know you're pissed off. I, not all of you are pissed off, but some of you may be upset. But I'm just telling you, I'm just – all I'm doing – all I'm – people come to me and say, you know, I love what you said when you said this. I said – you mean when I read that from the book? Yeah, but it's the way you read it. You know what I mean? I said, oh, you mean like I read it like it's in your flipping face. You know what I mean? And you can't ignore it. So it's like you read it 50 times, but you, you mean, in other words, you saw it for the first time. He says, for if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life 
through work and self-sacrifice for others. Doesn't say anything about the fourth step. Doesn't say anything about the fifth step. Doesn't say anything about the sixth or seventh step. Doesn't say anything about the third step. Doesn't say anything about the second step. Doesn't say anything about the first step. Doesn't. It says it, it talks. It's very clear. And if you don't enlarge your spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others. Working with others. Good Samaritan every day. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. It ain't a month. You've got to do all this other stuff. You got, it's got to be the central fact. That's the deal. That's live faith. That's the real faith. That's the real proof. That's not being the dilettante. That's the separating the men from the boys. That's walking the walk instead of just talking the talk. And let, here it says, For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain, certain, C-E-R-T-I-A-N. Certain trials and low spots ahead. So you know what that means to me? That means everybody in this room is going to get the shit thrown at them real bad many times. It means if you're going through a low spot, hey, get used to it. If you're going through a trial, hey, guess what? It ain't, it ain't gonna, it's going to happen over and over again till the day you die. Anybody who told you you're going to be riding the crest and you're not going to have any money problems, you know, is lying to you, okay? What's going to happen if you stay sober, I can promise you this, you won't be arrested for driving while intoxicated. Everything up else is up for grabs. Cancer, you know what I mean? People dying on you, being fired, the whole shit, it's up for grabs, okay? It, what, you know what this book just said? This is what the book says. If you don't do this, if you don't sacrifice yourself for others, if you don't become a servant, you will not survive. It's like the terrorists. All they need is to get, you know, you may win 50 times. But all, they knew is to, all they need is to get through once. You know, you may survive 20, 30, 50, 100 low spots and trials. On the 101st, you're a goner. You may not survive the 101st. Because what it says right here is it says, if you fail to enlarge, and how do you enlarge your, see, a lot of people think, well, I'll enlarge my spiritual experience by going to Bible study, which is good, it may. By joining a church, which is good, it may, because it also may put you in contact with people where you can help them and be a light to them. You, it may, it may, you may be able to do a lot of things, but what alcoholics love to do is enlarge their spiritual experience by, by intellectual things, reading intellectual books, reading stuff which is all good because you can do it at home, like with a remote control, and you don't have to get your ass out of bed. You know what I mean? You don't have to go to the Florida State uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, prison. You don't have to go out and actually smile. You don't have to actually do – you don't have to break a sweat. You know what I'm talking about? You certainly don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to go and talk to people about God. You don't have to drive three miles up here, three hours up here to talk about this stuff, you know, and not be appreciated. You know what I mean? And you, you don't have to do any of that crap. You know what I mean? You can do it, you know, by yourself, sort of like correspondence course. But that's not what it says. It says self-sacrifice for others, working with others. Intensive work with alcoholics, you know, is, is proved to be the thing that's was most, mostly will keep you from drinking. It says he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, work, he would surely drink again. And if he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed. And here's how it ends. With us... It is just like that. With, I, hate, I hate to screw you guys over with actually quoting from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Don't you hate that shit? You know what I mean? When people like quote from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know? But don't worry. You know what you can do? You can do what most people do. Leave and just forget about it and don't change your life, you know? And, and uh, that that's always works, you know? And, and so what yeah, – and I, and I got to tell you something. This is the truth. As God is my witness, this is the truth. I just saw this like two weeks ago. 
I mean, I, I, when I say I just saw this two weeks ago, I've been, I've, I'd like to believe that I've been doing this. I guess just, just by following God and just doing what I'm doing, I've been doing that. You know, it's like when I first started joining the church and I started doing all that stuff. It was like, it was like two months after I started going to church and Bible study and doing all that sort of stuff that I saw for the first time. I read for the first time we encouraged church membership. I didn't see that before I was doing it. When I started doing it, I said, oh, man, the big book, it's confirmation. The big book says you should do that stuff. You know, I've been doing this stuff all my life. You know, uh, you know who, who was doing it? Uh, who's the guy? Johnny Harris, the guy who told me I'm available. He was doing this. All the leaders, my, all, every sponsor I've ever had was doing this stuff. Bill Wilson was doing this stuff. You know what I mean? I, it's, I guess if you, if you have a faith that works, and if you're working this thing, and you're doing what you're supposed to do, do you'll be doing this even though you don't even realize that this is what you're supposed to be doing. I've been doing this without it, even reading this part. You know what I mean? It just, that's how screwed up A has, that's what A has done for me. It's really screwed me up. You know, when you think about it, I'm a product of A. It's not my fault. Because if it was up to me, I'd be out on the boat with the, with the Playboy bunnies. You know what I mean? Saying, look at me, I'm sober. You know what I mean? AA, if you do AA, it'll really screw you up. You'll do shit like this. You'll spend Saturdays at AA meetings trying to help other people. You know, you'll sponsor people. You'll do this. So be very careful. You know, don't get too involved in this crap, you know. And, and so, but what happened was I happened to be, I don't even know how this happened. I started reading this. I said, Wow. What really, this, for if an alcohol failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and load spots ahead. And one of the reasons it, it, it was helpful, I'll be just to be honest with you, then I'll sort of close up, is, is I was sort of going through a low spot with something that was going on in my deal. And because it doesn't matter if you have 30, 35, you know, it, it's, it's, my life is completely different now at 35 years than it was when I had 35 months or even when I had 25 years, you know. And, and you know, that, that rocket ship drop ride happens, that, that have, the whole bit, bit happens. But, but, but never anybody who tells you it gets perfect or you never have a problem or anything like that, it's just, you know, well, they're probably using dope or something. You know, they're probably smoking something or whatever because that's not the way it is. You know, shit happens to everybody. Things happen. You just react differently. You know, instead of instead of being worried uh, 24/7 for six months at a time, you know, I'll, I'll I'll put in a good five minutes, you know, one day, out of a week or something. You know what I mean? It's it's not a, it's not an overwhelming sort of deal, but what I, one of the things I liked about this this line that they had here is because it had three things in it which I thought were amazing, which I know is true, but it actually has in writing. It says number one. In order to survive, number one, it says, if you're an alcoholic, it doesn't say during your first year, and it doesn't say during your 10th year, or your 17th year, or it doesn't say during your 35th year. You know, I, I'm going to read you something. You know, in Vision for You, it says the following. This is where I'm connecting some dots for you. You ever hear this? Now and then a serious drinker being dry at the moment says, I don't miss it at all. I feel better, I work better, I'm having a better time. You know what it doesn't say there? You sort of assume they're talking about a newcomer, right? That would be a dangerous assumption. It may, it may infer that, but it doesn't say that. It says, now and then a serious drinker being dry at the moment. You know what I am? I'm 35 years sober, I'm dry at the moment. You know, if you're sober now, you want to know something? You're dry at the moment. 
If you're five years sober, you're dry at the moment. We're all dry at the moment. Being dry at the moment says, I don't miss it at all, feel better, work better, having a better time. You want to know something? Everybody in AA will say that shit. As a matter of fact, if some guy comes up to me and says that crap, I worry about him. When he said, when every, I've never said these words. I've never said these words, and this is true. For some reason, I think it's because it has to, you know, I think it's because I understand I'm powerless over alcohol. It's a hard, I, when you can drive all over town and you can, and you have money, and you get a job back, it's hard to think that you're powerless over anything because you seem to have power. But I've always understood somehow deep down inside that I'm powerless over alcohol. I just understood that, that I'm powerless. I've always, I mean, this sounds crazy, but there's no question in my mind that I could be drunk an hour from now. Now, that's, now I have no desire to drink. It's been lifted from me, but I don't believe I have any power over alcohol. I don't know how to, how to explain. I, I went to a meeting in Maryland. Just recently, I went up there to speak, and I went to a meeting in Maryland, and it was a, a meeting I, w I wasn't speaking at, but, you know, went around, and, they, and I'd never heard this before. The, the, the topic was, what would, this was the topic. This is a, it was like an amazing topic. At first, I got, I got to tell you, I got a resentment that they even say the topic. I thought it was a stupid topic, but it was a great topic. It said, what would cause you to drink? Have you ever heard a topic like that at a meeting? Well, you know, what would cause you to drink? Like, people would actually have to go around and say, this is what would cause me to drink. And I'm saying to myself, what the, you know, what? <laughs> I'm thinking, this is the dumbest. You know, people are supposed to say, well, if I, this happened, I would drink. And it went around the room, and guess what was happening? People were coming up with shit. Well, if my son died, it would cause me to drink. Well, if my car conked out, it would cause me to drink. I mean, it was absolute craziness in my mind. But God has his purpose. Because what happened was, after I got over my initial resentment, and uh, I started thinking, you know, why is this bothering me? What's going on? What would cause me? And I started thinking what would cause me to drink. And I realized really nothing would cause me. To, what would cause me to drink? And then I started thinking, well, what, what actually keeps me sober? And that was easy, my faith in God. Because I've been through cancer twice. And I've been broke many times in bankruptcy and stuff like that. And I've had, money, and I've had all sorts of problems in my life. And the only thing that has ever kept me sober is not my wife. And not my, not my, it's always been faith in God. So as soon as I realized that the only thing that keeps me sober was my faith in God, I knew exactly what would cause me to drink. So it came to me and said, what would cause you to drink? I said, if I lost my faith in God. If I lost my faith in God, I'd drink over a paper cut. Because one time I didn't have any faith in God and I drank all the time. So it actually was a great meeting, you know what I mean, <laughs> with a crazy time. You see, it's just so, so happened, you know, you know, it's the whole thing. Satan made it for evil, but God used it for good. God can use anything. And so the bottom line is, it says, what this told me was, was a couple of things, this line. It says, for if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self. Oh, I didn't finish this one thing. Okay. It says, I don't miss it at all. Feel better, work better, having a better time. As ex-problem drinkers... We smile at such Sally. We know our friend is like a boy whistling in the dark to keep up his spirits. He fools himself. Inwardly, he would give anything to take half a dozen drinks to get away with it. He will presently try the old game again, for he isn't happy about his sobriety. You think it's possible to be sober and not happy about your sobriety? You think it's possible to have worried sobriety, self-pity sobriety, envious sobriety, Fearful sobriety. You, you think it's possible to be sober and feel crappy? He cannot picture life without alcohol. Someday he will 
be unable to imagine life either with or without alcohol, then he will try. No, loneliness is few. Do you think it's possible to be lonely and sober? Feel alone and sober? Most, most people live lives of quiet desperation. A lot of people in AA feel like they're cut off by they're alone and they're lonely. You know, and they really can't connect with people. He will be at the jumping off place. He will wish for the end. That can apply to a guy with 35 years. You know what this line tells me? And how importantly true for the alcoholic. For if an alcohol failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he cannot survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. Number one, it tells me this, that there will be, for everybody in this room, trials and low spots ahead. Just accept it. It's going to happen, so you won't be shocked when it's happening to you. You won't sit there and say, oh, my God, my life is over. What am I going to do? You know, I lost my job. You know, I got cancer. My girlfriend left. My wife, you know, just don't, don't be shocked. It's going to happen whether you cause it or not. That's number one. Number two, in order to survive it, I've got to enlarge. I've got to be involved in the 11th step. I've got to get closer to God. That may or may not have to do with doing another fourth step because all these steps clear away records that let the sun shine in and not, so the, it's not blocked out. All these things are about letting God in. All these tools are about getting God in. Be it may have to do with doing a fourth step or a fifth step or a tenth step. Or, but, and, but, but, but the bottom line is, in order to survive low stop, spots, I'm going to have to get closer to him. You're going to have to start living a life of, of focusing on him making the central fact of his life. And the third thing it says to me is that in order to do it, if you're an alcoholic, you're going to have to get. There's no way of doing it without getting involved with self-sacrifice for others. You can't do it in an ivory tower. You're not going to do it in seminary. You're not going to do it just studying by. You're going to have to get out there and do the wet work and help other people. You've got to enlarge it to self. That's not me. That's the big book. That's what it says in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. That is the secret ingredient. That's the secret ingredient. And I don't think I'm, I, and look, I, I'm just telling you this. Look, you're, you're, you're adults. You're free to do your own thing. I don't think this is just my opinion. I think what I'm trying to do is just point out with a, with a giant highlighter, you know what I mean? Something that's in Bill's story that's really all through, all through the book that most people don't see or understand. Helping other people, sacrificing your life, being part of the royal priesthood, where your job is now to be a maximum service to God and other people, doing all that stuff is not only a natural progression of what happens as you grow up in this program, it's absolutely essential if you're going to survive. If you don't do it, you're going to die. It may not be, you may not, you may stop doing it. You may not, you may not start drinking today or tomorrow. It may be six years. It may be 10 years. Hey, you know something? You may never drink. You may just be a dry drunk and lonely and feeling sorry for yourself. You know, there are people in AA that don't drink. You know, they die, you know, in despair. They commit suicide. You know, they do other things. You know, drinking is not necessarily, you know, there's, there's people that, that, that sort of like self-explode and self-destruct in other ways. Not necessarily with drinking. But it's clear with me that this is the thing that I have to get involved in. Hopefully, prayerfully, I'm doing it because I want to do it. I think that's true for a lot of people. I think I'm here because I want to be here. I think I'm here because I'm available and I'm, a, and, and I'm grateful to God. But I know if I was sitting there saying, well, should I do it? I shouldn't do it. You know, based upon what this book says and, you know, what my sponsor says, I'm going to say to myself, I better do this deal. This is what I, I, know, 
I know when I start wavering and saying, well, no, I'd rather stay home and relax and lie down, I know I'm starting talking about my will and not his will. I know what he wants me to do. So God bless you. Thank you so much for allowing me to be up. Thanks a lot, Russell. Uh, another round of applause for all four speakers for today.